if you think that you are going to get triggered by watching this, please turn it off. Go away and come back another day. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast, Digging Through Dominoes. I am your host, Terry, and in this podcast, we dig through the dominoes of our past, see which tiles were drawn for us, and figure out the new ones we can draw to change the game of our future. Welcome back. I have to say, hey, thank you for coming back. Uh, today, I want to talk about a couple of words, and yeah, trigger warning is, um, I'm sort of using that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I wanted to ask, answer some questions, and thank you guys for inquiring where I have been for a bit, and give you a little bit of that so, so you'll kind of know what's happening. I think episode nine of season two was uploaded after this happened. I started having some really weird symptoms. I am treated for migraines and I had just been treated for migraines, I think in April. So in June, I started having these freaking weird headaches and they were in one spot of my head coming down into my temple a little bit. And I just attributed, attributed the out the, let's try this again, Terry. I just attributed the headaches to allergies. I'm extremely, extremely allergic to everything, especially in Oregon. <laughs> Lots of stuff growing here. As you can hear in my voice, I've got an allergy voice today. Please forgive me. But what happened was I wasn't too concerned about the headaches at first. And then I realized I was taking Advil and Tylenol like three times a day and it would just barely take the edge off the headaches. And I still didn't give it much credence because I've suffered from headaches my entire life. Then I started losing speech. That concerned me, but I attributed it to brain fog, to being really stressed, to other situations that were happening in my life. And I just, I brushed it off. Then I started having vision problems in my left eye. I could not see clearly with my contacts or with my glasses in my left eye. And it was so weird. It was the only way I can describe it. You know, the doctors were saying, do you have double vision? Do you have blurred vision? What is, you know, what's going on? The only way I can describe it is it was like I was looking through a tiny fishbowl that was on my eye. It was just, everything was distorted. I couldn't drive, I couldn't walk up and down the stairs. So I ended up with my primary care doctor who sent me to an ophthalmologist who sent me to the emergency department. I was in the emergency, emergency department several times. They did CTs, they did MRIs. I had uh, an angiogram or a, a Doppler. Um, and what they found out was I have a dissected carotid artery. And there's some other things in here that are dissected. I'm not really sure what they are because the dissected artery was enough to get me a little freaked out. So that was slowing down the blood flow to my brain. And evidently they thought that it, the blood was thickening. They labeled it as a stroke, a mild stroke. And it took a while really to come back and get my speech back to where it was, my speech and my thoughts were coherent. My vision was restored almost immediately after they started me on the blood thinners in the hospital. I mean, they really dosed me up and then they put me on baby aspirin to come home, da, da, da. Now I'm doing okay, but I am really watching 
what's happening with me. So that's why I've been missing. But let's get to this trigger warning. And I say that a little tongue-in-cheek and really kind of not the word I'm talking about today. The first word we're going to speak about is the word trigger and its variations. Trigger, triggering, triggered. It's my feeling that society needs to stop normalizing this word, the use of this word. It has gotten to the point where people who get their feelings hurt say that you triggered them. So in etymology, I think historically we can see the meaning of words have shifted. They continue to morph. They continue to shape shift and they lose their potency. And some of those words today that I'm specifically speaking of, two terms, and then we're going to go into a third term on a much brighter note, but two of the terms are narcissistic and variations of the word trigger, triggering, triggered, triggers, all of that, you know, terminology along with safe spaces and whatever. So let me tell you right now. This isn't going to be too PC, which, you know, I, I try to be okay. But if you think that you are going to get triggered by watching this, please turn it off. Go away and come back another day. Um, because what I'm going to say is probably going to see, seem rather controversial to some people, where other people are going to say, oh my gosh, that's so validating. Thank you for bringing this topic up because it invalidates those of us that do have complex uh, complex PTSD or PTSD, it sort of invalidates when we are triggered. So a lot of times you'll hear someone saying, oh, by you not liking my pink hair, you've triggered me. No, that person that's saying the triggering, in my opinion, is using the word trigger as a form of censorship, trying to censor the other person. It's doing kind of two things. You're censoring someone else, trying to get them to come around to your way of thinking, and you're not taking advantage or you're not taking, you're not taking responsibility for your own feelings. We are in charge of how we feel. Someone can say anything they want to me, that's fine. How I take it, how I receive it, that's my responsibility. They didn't make me feel any way. Their words could have made me feel something, you know, if it's a more significant relationship. But it's my responsibility really how I felt and not theirs, unless it is a very damning, you know, a statement like, oh, you're just a bitch. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. Something like that, I think, is a little bit different than what I'm speaking of. But triggering, you see these people all the time that need their safe spaces. And if someone says something they don't agree with, they say they're being triggered. Stop triggering me. Things of that sort. What triggering is, it is a real term and it is used in the psychiatric and psychiatric psychological world and it has a very specific meaning with people that have suffered severe trauma 
and have in fact CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And that is where there is an event. It can be a smell. It could be a feeling. It could be walking by something that sort of gives you a bit of deja vu, I guess is the way to describe it, and it throws you back into reliving that traumatic event. It's not a bad memory. It's not someone hurting someone's feelings. It's actually reliving that triggering, <laughs> triggering, is actually reliving that traumatizing event, not just remembering it. it. It's sort of like the root of a panic attack. When you're in the middle of a panic attack, for whatever reason, many times you're reliving something very traumatic that's happened. Something triggered it. Like I said, it could be a smell. It could be, it could be something like seeing a bottle or a bar of soap that someone that molested you in the bathtub used. It could be going into a doctor's office and you see the doctor with a white lab coat on and you remember when your doctor molested you when you were a kid and you have that feeling of panic and anxiety. And it's, it's not, you know it's not that doctor, but it's something very internal that happens. That's what triggering is. That is the actual meaning of being triggered, triggering in the word, you know, triggers for us. There are certain triggers for us um, that have PTSD, that have had very traumatic pasts. One for me would be when I, the, the motorcycle accident I was in where the woman hit me and I suffered a tra traumatic brain injury from that accident, actually we found out. Every time I would ride past or drive past the area where I was hit, I started getting really sick to the point I threw up several times. I was sick to my stomach. My arms started getting really, really hot. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And it was only in this very specific part of the highway. And then one day I put it together and that's where I was hit. And once I put that together, I, I still think about it when I go past that part, but I don't get triggered in that I'm not reliving that, that those feelings of being hit, the fear, the anxiety, the heat on my arms, the nausea, all of that. I'm not reliving it anymore. I'm simply remembering it. And so there's a big difference between triggering and having a memory of a bad event, if that makes sense. Let's just say it does. If it doesn't, leave something in the comments. Let me know. You know, when living in Portland has, is interesting, to say the least. There have been a lot of protests over the last few years with people with safety pins and wanting safe places and say that they've been triggered. And mainly it's because someone has hurt their feelings. That's not triggered, folks. You're either fragile you need to be in the real world or you need to take control of your own feelings and realize you cannot censor what other people say in one context is not meant to hurt you. You're censoring them. And that's really not fair to us and it's not fair to you.
because you're taking this whole thing on and thinking the world is against you when you know in fact it isn't but you know it, it's been so crazy here everyone's like you triggered me you triggered me you triggered me no we're calling you out because you're being whatever you're being and it you know there's a huge difference maybe you're made to feel or you feel that they're they're making you feel insignificant that's not being triggered you're feeling insecure I think it's important to recognize those feelings instead of trying to use valid words as a catch-all. You know, sort of like narcissism. Narcissism is a diagnosed personality disorder. People can have narcissistic traits, but to have the diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder is a real diagnosis, but it's thrown around if someone takes a selfie if someone writes about their life and a lot of times it's thrown around out of envy or jealousy by someone that wishes that they could live in the way or in the manner in which the person they're speaking of is living it's it's um you know it's not used appropriately and therefore it 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 loses its meaning so when you're using triggered triggering what happens for those of us that actually do get triggered with with certain events I'll tell you one that really I have a hard time with and this is in Las Vegas which is one of my very favorite places in the world to be and that is there's a certain hotel and I'm not going to name it but it was in 1981 and I was going through Las Vegas and I was severely beaten in the hotel, taken to the emergency department. And it was so severe that the doctors made everyone leave the room and they were asking me, you need to tell us what happened. Well, I could see the person that had done this to me outside of the glass. And I knew there was nothing that I could say. So, what ended up happening is when we got out of the hospital and went back to the hotel, I felt very anxious, very panicky, very fearful at that point in time. It, it wasn't a triggering thing. It was just I was feeling kind of what was going on in the whole tornado of that particular event. It was so much so that there were dealers and there were people that were working the casino saying, hey, you need some place that you can be safe. You need a safe place. You need to get away from this person. You're in trouble. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. So let's flash forward 20 years and I'm going to Vegas, probably not even 20 years. I'm going to Vegas and going up and down the strip. We would get to this hotel and I would start seeing flashes, little flashes of like a hospital, a little flash of like a kick a little flash of a dealer, a, a, a little flash of certain things. And I experienced the panic and the heat sort of rising up in my body. That was a triggering experience. I was reliving the abuse that I received in Las Vegas in 1981, 20 years later. That is a triggering event. Now that I know that that's what it is with this hotel, it doesn't bother me as much. I can go past it. I don't like it, but it doesn't bring up that anxiety, that fear, and that uncertainty because I 
disconnected the two from me, I know, and therefore I'm not reliving it. So be, you know, be careful with your use of the word trigger. Someone told me the other day they were listening to something and it triggered something for them. They were triggered. And when we got deeper into the conversation, they had just had a memory of a bad situation. This person doesn't have a history of trauma, doesn't have a diagnosis of CPTSD or PTSD. They're just using that word sort of as a catchphrase because they had a bad memory of something. And you know, that, that, mm, it's just kind of a, a pet peeve of mine, I guess, because it's a very valid word that's getting very diluted by being thrown around in non-clinical ways, thrown around to censor other people, in my opinion. So that's one of the words. The other is, I mentioned it, is, you know, narcissism. People will say, oh, she's a narcissist, he's a narcissist. Well, as I said earlier, you can have narcissistic traits without having the diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissistic personality disorder is an animal of its own. Most narcissists are not diagnosed because they don't think they have a problem and they will not seek treatment. And if it comes up to anyone saying, I think you may have narcissistic personality disorder, they're like, I'm fine. You're the one with the problem. So that's another one I think that gets really diluted. And the people that actually suffer from narcissistic abuse or those with narcissistic narcissistic personality disorder, you know, I feel it's kind of taking away from taken away from them and they're lumped into this this group of nonsense, really. It's taking a non-clinical situation and using a clinical word for it. And that's, you know, that's really, it's in my opinion, that's just not the way to go about it because narcissism is a very intense, very serious personality disorder. And the people with narcissism, like I said, very rarely get diagnosed because they won't go to therapy. But it does have its criteria. And if you look in the DSM-5, you can see very clearly what the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder are and how to sort of spot it. So let's get to this. Um, I skipped ahead in my note. I skipped ahead talking, I guess. And uh, I got to my notes on the second page. So let's kind of pick up with triggering, okay? Okay, I think I, I mentioned that it's in reference to those diagnosed with CPTSD or PTSD who have had serious life-altering events, traumatic events happen in the past, and we relive those. We relive those until we figure out what is going on and we're able to find a coping mechanism. And they are very, very haunting. It's not having a simple bad memory. You're actually in the moment. You're actually reliving it. If you think about our service members that come back from war and they don't like to hear fireworks or somebody comes up behind them, they are not sissies afraid of a firework. They're reliving being in war. They're reliving what happened then. And I don't know if that might help you a little bit with that word or not, but it's it's a very valid clinical word. It's not hurting someone's feelings. So then we get to safe spaces. A lot of this was thrown around in Portland for the last few years. I haven't heard it as much lately, mainly because I think I've turned the news off, but safe safe places, which meant the way I took it was a safe place with somewhere you could be where nobody would hurt your feelings. Okay, what a safe place is in actuality in bringing up children that had psychological problems 
we had safe spaces. A safe space is somewhere that you can speak about that traumatic event without the fear of the trauma being around you. A safe place is somewhere that you can sit and process and calm down and keep others out of harm, keep yourself out of harm, and sort of de-escalate and process. It's not an area where no one can speak and their mouths are taped and you're not going to hear varying points of view or differing opinions. There again, we're having a clinical term being taken and just thrown about. And therefore, you know, the, the term safe space has taken on a very negative connotation here, especially in Portland. For me, my safe space would be with my therapist. My safe space would be in my studio or writing. That way, you know, if, if, if something comes up for me, I can retreat, I can think about it, I can process it, I can write about it without the fear of reliving the event. So that's what I have to say about safe places. So if you are offended, I apologize, kind of and kind of not. Um, like I said, let's just be aware of what we're saying to people. Now, here's another word I wanted to talk about that I've heard. I mean, it's a word, but I haven't heard it used in this positive form before. And that is the word glimmer. Now, let me read to you where I heard that or what I, let me read to you what I read before we start in on this. Today, I learned about a term called glimmer, which is the opposite of a trigger. Glimmers are those moments in your day that make you feel joy, happiness, peace, or gratitude. Once you train your brain to be on the lookout for glimmers, these tiny moments will appear more and more. So, what I thought about when I read this was, oh my gosh, what a way for those of us that are so focused on trying to tackle those bad memories that we have that just sort of pop up out of nowhere. What a wonderful way to focus on something else. And I thought about, I was with my grandson Josiah and we were going to the mall after it had been remodeled in the concrete there had these little sparkly glimmery things and I forget the terminology that Josiah used but it was perfect and it just made me smile because he was seeing something that was spectacular to him to me it was just sort of like sparkly concrete it was beautiful but to Josiah who hadn't seen it before it was a glimmer it was something spectacular and I will never forget how taken he was with that and being able to see that through the eyes of a four-year-old. You know, it's so it's so funny. I mean, with, with little kids, to be able to see the world through their eyes is absolutely amazing. But when I read about this glimmer and this meme, it I had just actually had a glimmer. And I think I'm going to start trying to use that word more because it's very positive. And let me tell you what happened. I was sitting in my living room and one of my dogs needed to go out. It was a warm night, and I don't know what it was about the, the night. I don't know if it was the temperature. I don't know if it was the breeze that was blowing, the glimmer lights I had up. 
if it was the way the sun was setting. But all of a sudden, it was like I was transported back in time, holding the hand of my grandmother as we walked through the courtyard entrance to one of her friend's houses or homes. She had a courtyard out front that you had to enter. And she, she was an artist and she was really, really, really such a cool, fun woman. And she had the little fairy lights before fairy lights were a thing going on in her courtyard. And walking through that in the safety of my grandmother, holding her hand, walking into a fun place, that was a memory that I had not thought of gosh, I'm 61 years old, probably in over 50 years. I have not thought of that. It just, it hit me kind of like when someone is triggered and reliving an abusive event, this glimmer, I'm going to choose to start calling these, was of a very positive, nurturing, caring event. And I sat down and I could see, I could see the courtyard. I could see the figurines that were there. I could see walking into the house and her greeting us. She had a caftan on. Those were like all the rage at the time when I was a kid. And her art, I could see her, her paints were out. She had canvases around her, her paintbrushes. She was very eclectic and just fun, kind of like my grandmother was. And it was just, it was over freaking powering. I sat down and really soaked that in and try to relive that, breathe that air, feel it, because it was definitely a gift in my life at a time when too many negative things I've been having to deal with or work through. This was something that really uplifted me, and I am so thankful for that. And the other night, I, I was on a conversation with with someone, I was speaking about my oldest son, and there were so many glimmers in that conversation that I left the conversation feeling so uplifted and joyous and grateful for being able to have the gift of this child and raise him and have him in my life for the time that I did. He was so much fun to raise. He was, he was delightful. He was adventurous. He had this little smirk where his, it was sort of a, I'm going to tell you something that I might get in trouble of, but I'm going to smile and try to hide it. And maybe you won't get on to me. And it got me every time. He had this little smirk that his, his little lip would point up when he was going to say something. I remembered that. And it just brought back all of these glimmers of raising him and the pure joy and gift that he was in my life. I have those memories. I have glimmers of Joshua. Joshua is resting comfortably behind me. I keep him in my studio. For those of you that don't know, Joshua is my son that was severely mentally ill and we lost him in October of 2021. And I keep him with me because as his mom, I search for him and I look for him. And I, it was like for 10 years when he was on the streets. So I keep Joshua with me. So I know where he is at every minute. It's very soothing to have him with me. But the glimmers I have with Joshua, you know, I'll have Facebook memories pop up. And to see Joshua's face, his smile, 
to see, you know, he was the kid that always made his own birthday desserts. I always tried to make my kids their dinners and their, their birthday cakes. And Joshua wanted to do them his own. He had a degree in culinary arts and he came up with the most fabulous things down to very simple things. But Joshua did it. And to see that smile of his, those are glimmers. I have glimmers. I think another glimmer would be hearing my firstborn cry the first time and seeing the first memory I have is seeing her fingernails and thinking how perfect her fingernails were. You know, I can, I can look back with, with my kids and I have glimmers with all of those. I have glimmers with my parents. You know, there are times I just kind of feel my dad's with me. Something will happen. And it's, it's like, I want to go to call my dad because I'm really proud of myself and he would be very encouraging. And I, I think that's kind of a glimmer too. So, you know, try to incorporate that into your daily life. I tell you, since I read this and I recognized what had happened the, the night, several nights before I read this meme with that experience jumping back in time with my grandmother what a precious gift that was especially after battling horrible memories that I kept locked away for so many years see my I don't know if you see my dog back there or not <laughs> that's my service dog that's Miss Karma but she's about to get a baby sister so yeah encouraging and a little bit of a, a reprimand I guess be careful of the words you, you choose to use because sometimes unknowingly you may invalidate someone that actually does get triggered and have to relive horrific events and you just got your feelings hurt. That's not triggering. That's sort of um, censorship in my opinion. And let's focus on those glimmers. I know we all have glimmers that we can think of every day, you know, and it, I think this is really true. The more you recognize and think about the word glimmer, the more you will have. I had a very, I don't really know how to describe this, very controlling relationship. But at this point in time, I can look back on it I um, and I can see the glimmers. Because even though this was a very negative, destructive relationship, there were parts of that relationship that healed me in a way that I could have never been healed. This person has since died, and I really treasure those good times that we had because those were good times I could have never had. And it really, whether those reasons for her were nefarious or not, for me, they were healing and they were life-altering. So I choose to hold on to the good. If you hold on to the bad, what are you going to get? Negative? I don't even want to go there because it really sucks. You know, um... <clears throat> I saw someone post on the death of Matthew Perry the other day. They were very encouraged and they were encouraging and, and speaking about how far he had come and, and how sad it was to lose someone that had gone through the depths of hell and pulled themselves up. They acknowledged his talent and all of the philanthropic, <laughs> Here I am. I can't even pronounce my own words. I think this is a, a piece of what I was going through. Philanthropic, philanthropic, all the good that he did for those that are experiencing or have experienced drug abuse and addiction, alcohol abuse and addiction. 
they're not seeing what that was. This post was very encouraging and uplifting. And someone came in and said, so what? This drug addict died. Why are you saying, why are you even acknowledging it? We live, we die. And all I could think of was this person, people were coming back at him, you know, pretty hard and heavy. And the only thing I could really think of was, you must have a pretty sad life if all you can do is come up with negative things to say about someone who has died or someone really in general. It says more about you than it does about the person you're speaking of. Actually, I don't want to end there. I want to, I want to read you guys something that I'm trying to do. This is something I started doing. And when I found this, I, I saved it to my iPad because it really aptly described what I was going through. And I, I, I really encourage those of you that have been through similar situations to maybe apply this to yourself. I started calling that girl back. The girl who loved living, the girl who danced instead of walking, the girl who had sunflowers for eyes and fireworks in her soul. I started playing music again, hoping she would come out. I started looking for beautiful moments to experience so she would feel safe enough to show herself because I knew she was in there and she needed my kindness and my effort to come to the surface again. I want to encourage all of you that are in situations like I have been in to love yourself. Give yourself a break. Be kind to yourself. Don't listen to the lies of hatred and um, negativity that you've been told. You are unique, you are good, and you are worthy. And that is going to end our episode. I think my next episode, I'm kind of sketching it out right now. I'm thinking about memories and how we deal with those, the ones we pull up and the ones we should be pulling up. So stay tuned for that. I hope to get that out in the next week or so. And until then, guys, any questions, please contact me. Leave some comments, please share. Give me a like if you listen to this on the podcast plat on a podcast platform. It does great things not only for the podcast, but it helps affirm that I'm headed in the right direction. And you are too. Take care. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk soon.